It, uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I tend to, when I write my talks, I've never been one person to kind of write my talks at the last minute. I tend to write them as soon as I know I'm going to be speaking. So I wrote this talk about two or three weeks ago. And uh, two or three days ago, I just took some time just to look over it again and just to, have I got a bit of an echo here? Uh, and just to kind of think it through. And I just had this verse um, come to mind, which I just want to just start with. It's from Psalm 63, and it says, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. I don't know if anybody here just feels like they need to be energized. Now I'm just looking around. But, uh, yeah, and I just, but I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit, because I wrote this three days ago, just on the top of my notes. It's in blue, you can't really read it, but it's not my main, my type notes. And uh, I didn't know that a day later I would be throwing up. Um, and then I was wondering yesterday who might come and speak, because I had a fever or two, it broke yesterday afternoon. And, uh, and so I was just sitting there thinking, well, I need energy. And uh, so I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And uh, if you're in that place where you just feel like, you know what, I just need some energy. Whatever that energy looks like for you this morning, God can provide, God can meet us. So let's just invite the Spirit. Just come, Holy Spirit. Just come and blow through our lives, Lord. Any areas of our life, Lord, that are just weary and tired and broken. Just come and bring your life right now. Come bring your freshness, Lord, right now. Just come deep. Just more of your Holy Spirit. He's here. Just, um, just say yes to him. If you can just feel it, I can see him engaging with different ones of you. And just, just let it go deeper. Yeah, God, we just thank you. And I'd encourage you just to have that kind of attitude of openness. I really believe that God just really wants to just speak to us this morning. That's my prayer this morning, that you wouldn't hear my voice and my accent, but that you would hear God's voice, because that's what we need to hear this morning. Right, if you've been around church for the last few weeks, we've been doing a series about consecration, this idea of kind of allowing stepping aside and allowing God just to work and meet with us. And this morning, I want to just touch on that and kind of just take some time just to slow down. It's so easy to kind of go through a series. We've been through series in the past, went through a series through Romans. We did one recently on emotionally spirituality church, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> you know the gist. Uh, and it's easy just going to go through and think, well, we're just doing a, a series. But I wanted particularly just to just kind of pause on this issue of consecration. Because one of the things I want to speak, I want to do some teaching today. I also want to do some, I guess with my pastor's hat on, I want to pa just pastor some things and maybe with my prophetic hat on to say some things prophetically. But one of the first things I want to say is, I don't want to, you know, at some point we're going to finish this series. I think it's down to me. I'm speaking next week, and I have a choice. I've been given a choice. And, um, but when the series is finished, the consecration isn't finished. One of the things that God said to me, I felt God challenging me, and I want to challenge you about, is consecration is more than an event. It's a lifestyle. This idea of, kind of setting our sides apart to encounter God is not just saying, like, okay, we've, we're doing the series, and we're going to take the box, and now we move on. It's something that should be underlying everything we do from this point onwards, be it individually or as a, as a church. Something to press into. And so I want to just pause and recap. You know, we've been talking about this, Nigel and Jura have been expanding upon it in the last few weeks by uh, talking about being apprenticed. And that was, again, just another way of looking at this idea of consecration, trying to give it some handles. What does consecration look for, like for us? It means trying to live and rearrange our lives to become more like Jesus. So I want to pause and think about, you know, where, where are we? And uh, I don't know if you, um, 
Uh, if you ever go places, I've just been recently, my, my daughter Hannah is thinking about maybe going to university next year. So we started visiting universities, or sometimes you go to different places, uh, and sometimes you get maps, you know, you get maps like this, or you go to city centres. Now one thing I hate about maps, I mean I love maps in general, as my, my family know, I often ask for maps for Christmas. And just because I, I pray for different countries, and so I like maps so I can think this is a place I'm praying for. And is when you go to some place and you've got this map, but they don't tell you where you are on that map. Yeah? What I like is on a map when they go, this is where you are. And then from that, you can start figuring out where, where everything else is. Rather than having some you know, map and you're thinking, if you took that you are here out of here, and you're thinking, where am I in the city center? And so what I want this morning is just to remind us, this is where we are at. As a church, we're in this season of consecration. This is where we stand in. This is where we're seeking to go. So going back to where we first started looking at this verse from Joshua 3, verse 5. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And just literally, just looking through that, some of the phrases, and I know some of this is we have talked about, but I just wanted to really go deep into who we are. Consecrate. We said it's to do with setting apart, to be set apart for a holy purpose, to be set apart for a holy reason to be set apart for what God has called us to be and to do. And when I talk about this, I'm not just talking about this as a church, but also individually. What does that mean for us? We've been going on about this for like six weeks now. What does that mean? Hopefully you're beginning to get some thoughts. And as we kind of come up to Christmas, you know, it's often a time for reflection, and this is a great time to reflect, and I will throw out a load of questions today. Some of them I won't have time to give you space to ponder. When I was thinking I might not make it this morning, I thought I'd get Katie just to stand up with a passage and give a whole load of questions. <laughs> she doesn't look that excited about it. But uh, <laughs> it's not that hard to stand up here. And um, what does consecration mean for us? That's worth thinking about. And he talks about consecrate yourselves. One of the things that we've talked about, particularly uh, Nigel and Joe, is this idea that one of the values we want to see in this church is us taking ownership for our own discipleship. Like, do it yourself. Yes, there's importance. Joe talked last week about the community and how important the community is. Being in a place of community, people that help you become more like Jesus. People that help you systematically and progressively rearrange your life to become more like Jesus. But the bottom line is, we have to take responsibility. What does that mean? You know, I've been thinking about some of the stuff. Some of the stuff I've been thinking about recently uh, in a light, what different people have shared it's things like, I think Joe mentioned it last week, uh, memorizing scripture. Just ways that help me align my life so I become more in line with who Jesus is and how Jesus wants me to live my life. You know, I realized probably about three or four months ago that most of the verses that I know are what I learned as a child. And I thought, I've got to, I've got to start relearning some verses. I've got to get, start getting these truths. So I started making a list, just areas I want to see growth and breakthrough in in my life, and I've just started jotting those down. I've got to print them off yet, and then I'll stick them into little cards, and I'll just stick them in the back pocket or something. That's just one example. I've been realizing again about just the need of just prioritizing worship in my life. I know that when I have a period of time where I'm not prioritizing worship, where I'm not bothered if my kids think I sing terrible, which I know I do. <laughs> I'm not the great, I was... Um, um, David, um, who was obviously leading worship, uh, it was just, we were talking about, we had a, a session where we could get impartation, where we prayed for each other. This is off the notes, but I thought it was just interesting. We were allowed to just pray for each other, particular gifts. And, uh, and I said, can you pray for me that I will, um, I can sing in tune? 
And, um, and some of the people there go, oh, don't you sing in tune? And David goes, oh, no, all the worship people in church know that Paul doesn't sing in tune. <laughs> he goes, he sings, we just love him because he just worships God and he just yells out, but we all know he doesn't sing in tune. I'm like, oh. I said to my wife, do I sing that loud? She goes, yes, you do, Paul. <laughs> so I'm trying to tone it down, but I know that when I just sing out, sometimes uh, I haven't got a church office key at the moment, but... Often when I know I'm, I'm preaching in the, and on a Sunday, I will come like the Friday or the Saturday night before and, and I, will just, I will sing in this room. I will join with the angels and just sing in this room as loud as I want because nobody can be fussed whether I sing in tune or not. But I know that's part of what it means for me to consecrate myself. What does it mean for you? You know, we've got to, we can talk about this. We need to anchor it. We need to begin to anchor it. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord do amazing things. It doesn't say, you know, like today, it's an investment. You know, you've got to start doing things now in your garden. And in January and February, if you want to start seeing things happen, kind of May, June, July, my ignorance of gardening shows. <laughs> but I know roughly the, the season. We need to begin to do things today for tomorrow. What's he calling us to do today? tomorrow because God will I love that phrase I mean I've been looking at this verse for six weeks but I missed the will bit until I was looking at this a few weeks ago the Lord will it's not like the Lord might if the Lord is in a good mood that will is quite important it says the Lord will that should get you excited That is exciting good news. Maybe I should just stop there. That is good news. The Lord will. The Lord will. Do amazing things. The one who promises is the one that can fulfill his promises. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Can you imagine that? I think I shared this once in the Sunday night. I didn't do it in the morning, but... He was saying this to people who had gone through the desert with the cloud of glory in the daytime and a cloud of fire at night. These are people who supernaturally had food provided for them every day for 40 years. These are people whose clothes did not wear out through that whole time. And as somebody who has four children, I would pray for that miracle right now because it would save me a whole load of money. These people had seen water come from rocks. They had seen some amazing things. And yet within that context, he says, I will do things that are even more amazing than that. What does that mean for us as a church? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What are some of those amazing things that we are being invited into? Oh, God, come and do it. And the other bit, which I missed, maybe you guys don't miss it. I sometimes read very, I'm a fast reader, and sometimes I just need to slow down. It says, I'm going to do it amongst you. And for me, that's quite important. It didn't say, I'm going to do it in you. You kind of have to consecrate yourself, that's very personal, but the blessing is amongst you. You see, every choice and decision we make has a knock-on effect with the communities we're in. We talk a lot about in this church about leading our communities into life. This is what it's about. As we consecrate ourselves and we press into God, whatever that means and looks like, it brings blessing amongst us, amongst you. It's going to be the, you don't get it in English, but the kind of plural, uh, generic you. Wow. That's what we want. So let's, we want to just grasp that. And so looking, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, okay, where do we move forward? And I want to just take some lessons from Moses. It's a well-known um, passage. It's not going to come up. I'm going to read it. Um, if you have a Bible, or you want to turn to Exodus chapter 3. Um, if you've got a physical Bible, there's some Bibles here. If you've got a phone, 
have a look at it. I really encourage you to, if you don't have an app on your phone, to start bringing your Bibles. You've been aware next year we're going to be doing a series on biblical literacy. It's going to be a great idea to have a Bible um, with you. <laughs> if you haven't got one, get one for Christmas or get the app for Christmas. And, and these are well-known verses, but for me, this is a way of looking at this Joshua 3 verse 5 in, a, in an actual situation. And just reading it, it says, starting at verse 1. Now Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jephro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to the mountain of God, to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. He looked, and the bush was ablaze with fire, but it was not being consumed. So Moses thought, I will turn aside to see this amazing sight. Why does a bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God said to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. God said, do not approach any closer. Take off your sandals off your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. He added, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries because of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I've come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a land that is both good and spacious. So it gives a little bit more, jumping to verse 10, it says, so now go, and I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, or that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He, God replied, surely I, am, surely I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you and they will serve God on this mountain. Moses said to God, if I go to the Israelites and tell them the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is your name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you must say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, you must say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial from generation to generation. If you're going to use that illustration I gave earlier about that map that says, you know, this is where you're at. This is where you are. This was, this was like Moses' moment. This was his map of his life. And it's like there's a pin. It's like this is where Moses was. He was on the backside of a mountain looking after the sheep. And then God just turns up. Moses was doing a good job. I suspect he was a good shepherd. But God was calling him into something greater. God is always doing that. God is always calling us on a journey of adventure. I was teaching the interns um, recently and I was saying to them, if following Jesus is boring and eventful, then maybe you're not following the right Jesus. The call to follow Jesus is a call to a crazy adventure. If you look through scripture again and again, you see that God is inviting us and calling us into things. But it started with a crucial point. And the reason I chose particularly that, that version of the Bible is it has this phrase, he turned aside. This is what we've been talking about in sense of consecration, turning aside. This is what we're doing as a church. It's a posture of the heart. Because in that turning aside, it says that God noticed that he turned aside. It's only when he turned aside that God spoke to him. Who wants to hear the voice of God today? Oh, that's better. <laughs> it came from the turning aside. That's what is crucial. We need to hear the voice of God because the communities we're in need to hear the voice of God. It's the voice of God that brings healing. It's the voice of God that brings transformation and change. They don't need to hear our voices. 
It's a bit like I was praying this morning. You don't need to hear my voice. You need to hear the voice of God. And that comes in the turning aside, the posture. And there's a hunger there. Some versions say, uh, Moses says to himself, I must go over and see why this bush is burning. I love that phrase, I must. It's like an inner compulsion. I think of it a bit like toothpaste. I know my wife's thinking, what do you mean? You take the lid off a toothpaste and you squeeze it, it's only one way it's going to go. It's that kind of inner compulsion. It's like, I've got to go. There's only one thing in my heart. There's only one place I want to go. I want to turn aside and meet with you. I was listening to this as I tend to multitask. Um, yeah, believe it or not, I can. And uh, I was just listening to songs off YouTube. And they just came up on YouTube, the, an old vineyard song, Hungry. I am desperate for you. Some of the words that go there, it's like, yes, that's what it means. This kind of turning aside is this kind of hunger. Going, God, we have got to meet with you. I was explaining, trying to explain this to my, my children. And they're saying, well, what does it mean? What's that? What does that look like? And I said, you know, I was talking about the things I was mentioning about a kind of inner focus and inner attention. I said, you know, the, the time I was most aware of this kind of idea of expectation and hunger it's not that I'm going to hark back to the old days, but I was reminded of, um, I said, you know, years and years ago, children, before you were born, God did sink in the UK in 1994. I said, in those days, you know, we're always trying to get you out to come to church, which can be hard work sometimes as a parent. I said, everybody wanted to get to church. And if you didn't get there like an hour, everybody wanted to be in the front row. And if you didn't get there like an hour before the service, you wouldn't get anywhere close to the front. And we were in a hard building, and so we had to get kicked out after like an hour, an hour and a half. And we literally had to drag people out of the building. It was that kind of hunger. It didn't matter. You didn't need somebody. When we said, you didn't have to say, hey, we're going to have a ministry time, because everybody was waiting. It was a bit like Usain Bolt, waiting for that gun to go. Because when it was like that, that when the person finished speaking, everybody was going to like, I want to be out there at the front. And it doesn't matter whether there's somebody there to pray for me or not, because it's not to do with whether somebody's there to pray for me. It's to do with, I want to meet God and encounter God. And so I bring that up, not to kind of hark back about the old days, but it's because that's what I want in my heart. That's what I want in our church. That's what I want to see modeled to my children. That's what this community needs. God, increase that in me. Sometimes it's not there. I came this morning, originally I was thinking if I'm really sick, I'll literally tell Amy, I'll crawl in at, and make sure you know, they're done, you know, finished by um, 11 and I'll come in, speak and, and go. But oh God, make us hungry in that turning aside. What does that mean for us? Like I say, I like to throw questions out and maybe take a moment to pause. Some of you I know like to go away and mull things over your meal. What does it mean? What does it mean for us as a church? What does it mean for me? What does turning aside mean? It may be things that God's been challenging us about, just habits that we need to change. Lifestyles that need to change. It doesn't necessarily have to be what we'd consider bad things. Sometimes the things that stop us turning the sides are things that we look at legitimately and think that's a good, that's a good thing. Moses, um, Moses was doing a good thing. He was looking after those sheep. Turning aside might not be a good thing. The sheep might make a run for it. He was distracted. It was a good distraction. What does it mean to turn aside? What does it mean to take off our shoes and come onto holy ground? I'm not standing here to give like a definitive answer because I don't think it, there is. Because it means different things to each one of us. But like I said right at the beginning, allow God just to speak to you. What does that mean? Individually, if you're married as a couple, or as a family, as a church. I know I'm kind of laboring it maybe, but I don't want to finish this series and just tick the box. I just break my heart. Because it's, it's an invitation God's given us, and I want us to step into it. 
What does it mean for us? And the call he's, he's calling us into, he's calling us in. Like I said right at the beginning, the, the, I always say, I often know the title of my talk before I write the talk. And uh, just this idea that God is just calling us to realign ourselves with what God wants to bring into our lives. And one of the things I love is, is you look at Moses, he turns aside, and the first thing that God talks about is who he is. And I think one of the crucial things is God is calling us aside and consecrating ourselves. He wants to remind us of who he is. This is the starting point of any adventure with God. We need to start here because we don't know who God is and what God is calling us into. We're not going to go anywhere. And one of the thoughts that came through my head, I know I'm throwing out quite a lot of thoughts and questions is, what, what characteristic or attribute of God's does he need to remind you of? God has many characteristics, many attributes. Which one does he need to remind us of? Maybe some of you need to remind that he's the God who's in control. Maybe some of you need to be reminded that he's the God who provides. Maybe you've got to be reminded that in him is all the wisdom that you ever need. I don't know what it is. It's a very corporate talk, but it's also a very individual talk. But it's interesting with Moses in the sense of this being called aside and being realigned and sent forth into his new ministry. It's like the starting point is always God reminding us of who we are, what, who he is, and then who we are. What do we need to be reminded of? That's another one to go away and ponder. And so God does that. He's going to like, this is laying the foundation. You've got to get it. As we kind of want to step into all that God wants to do for us. That whatever we build, whatever we see God do in our communities around us, it's always got to be built on the foundation of God. I know for me, I've got to get that foundation deeper. There's so much more of God I do not know. You know, we're singing that song about, I can't remember, I was kind of slightly in and out of it in worship, but just kind of looking into his eyes and love and, um, oh, I need to look in those eyes again. I need to see his love. We're going to get an opportunity a bit later on, we're going to do communion. We sang the song, we get an opportunity to do something very physically, just to look into his eyes and see his love. I need to see more of that. See his power, his expectation. <laughs> Just remind us something funny. But, uh, well, I think it's funny. Might not think it's funny, but. Uh... I've just been um, you know, thinking about God's power and God's nature. And there's a song from, uh, I think it's Bethel. You know, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. And uh, as I was throwing up over my to- toilet, I was singing that really loud between the throwing up. <laughs> like, I believe in you, God. Uh, I believe in the God of miracles. But whatever it is, what character, what attribute do we need to take hold of? I've been very real with you this morning. It's nice and general away. <laughs> It's good. I know I've been quite serious, so it's good to have a few minutes of, I don't know, <laughs> hilarity, I don't know. But um, we need to do that. And then God turns, he's like, this is who I am. And then he kind of turns to uh, Moses and he begins to speak into Moses. God reminds Moses of the state of the Israelites. Moses has got so caught up in his new life where he is, that he's forgotten his original purpose and design for his life. And I think sometimes we do that as well. And that's part of what I've been set as, stepping aside. This is part of what the consecration is about, is coming back to this. See, no one's insignificant. Everyone has been born for a reason and a purpose. And Moses had forgotten this. You see, the reason I know that is, if you go to Exodus 2, verse 11, it says, In those days when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and observed their hard labor. And he saw the Egyptian man attacking a Hebrew man, one of his own people. And then he told later on, he was moved. His motivation was great. His method wasn't the right one, obviously killing somebody. But God was calling him back to that. At one period of time, Moses observed and he saw and it moved him. 
and he had gone away from that. And God wants to call us back to our original purpose and original design. That's part of what stepping aside, that's what part of consecration means. God wants us to reobserve. We need to see again. We need to take ownership again. Moses had kind of let go of that. He'd run away and he'd lost ownership of it. And so, some more questions. What has God called you to? Some of you, you don't have to think about this very long. Some of you maybe have to think a little bit longer. But I feel, believe, if we're going to, as a church, consecrate ourselves, to step aside, to see that all that God wants to do for us as a church, it will involve each one of us. And each one of us answers that question in a different way. But only by each one of us answering that question in the way that God's called us to do it, we will see our communities transformed. See, what's my community and what's your community is different. But if we want to see holistically our communities encounter God, then we need to step aside and let God remind us. What, we, what has he called us to? What's God's assignment for your life? When was the last time you went through prophetic words? If, you, if that's kind of like a foreign concept, you think, why are you talking about Paul? A prophetic word is, um, can be a lot of different things, but it's one of the things you could define it is, is when God uses somebody just to speak and tell you, this is the reason why God made you. If the father was here and he's like, son, daughter, this is the reason I created you. This is what it's for. And if that's still foreign to you, if you come to, the, come to the front afterwards, some of us can pray and ask God what that might be. But we need to come back to that. Now, as, as I was saying, this, writing this, my notes, I felt like some people when they are thinking about this, you might have felt like, wow. God said this to me years and years ago. Have I missed it? What happened? You know, the difference between that verse I read where he was moved and when God came and spoke to him was 40 years. Moses might have felt like he was on the backside of a mountain and he missed it. One of the things I felt like God wanted to remind some people of today is you haven't missed it. Your time hasn't passed. For some of you, that's a, a, a very important thing. God is wanting... Some of the words that people have said to you, they believe that God called you into, you, you have buried them deep. And I felt like one of the things that God wanted to do was to call them forth like Lazarus. You thought you missed it. Maybe some of the choices or decisions you've made have taken you away from what you felt like God speak to you. And God says, you have not missed it. He is the God of miracles. He is the God who gave you that calling. And this, that's the reason you were made. If you turn aside, he will bring that into being. And it might just be for one or two of you, but I feel like God is saying that to at least some of you. Can we just pause for a minute? which I'm charged so I can pause. But, uh, I think God wants to do some resurrecting this morning. Now, some of you are like, what is he on about? What I mean is, so, some people here, and if this doesn't apply to you, just enjoy the silence for a bit. But I feel like for some of you, as I talk about... God's original design and prophecies over your life, things are coming into your mind. And you look at your life and it doesn't feel like it's lined up. And I feel like God just wants to bring fresh hope and fresh faith. So I'm just going to invite. I'm just going to invite God again. Is that all right? I mean, he's full of hope. He's full of faith. God, I thank you that you're here. God, I firstly pray that just as people here, Lord, are just turning aside and even their seats, laying their hearts towards you, you reminded them of the words that you spoke to them, maybe even when they were very, very small, God. 
For some of you, this might be, you know, you were like a, a, a child when God said something to you. You heard something, you read a book, and it inspired you. You thought, oh, oh, this is just... When you heard it, it made you alive. You want to know about part of what, if you want to know what God's called you to. You know, I often share this when it comes to Muslims. I know I'm called to Muslims because for most people, it puts, the, puts fear into them, it puts anxiety, and it just, it makes me alive. Every time I kind of think, maybe God, you want me to do something else, I just see a Muslim and I just get excited. And I know that's not most of you, but that helps me. But for some of you, different things make you alive. God wants us to be alive. And so, God, I pray that you would just remind people. Bring them back, Lord. And Lord, I just call forth the dreams and the words and the hopes that different people have had, Lord, here this morning. And Lord, let them live. Lord, we call the Lazaruses out, Lord. It doesn't matter if they've been buried four days. You know, it wasn't four days that mattered. It could have been eight days. It could have been a few years. For Moses, it was 40 years before God called him out. Just come, God. Come. A bit later on, we're going to be doing communion. Um, and one of the things about communion is that's where the victory is. That's where the breakthrough is. And again, as we come towards communion, it'll be an opportunity to say, yes, God, I want to partner with you this again. So God speaks into Moses, reminds him of who he is, God, who is the I am, it reminds Moses of who he is and reminds him of his assignment. If you've been around church for the last few years, we talk about this thing called trusted rulers, this idea that we want to be a community of um, people who are trusted rulers, people who know who we are, people that know what authority we have, people that know what assignment that God has given to our lives. And you find that all in this passage. Because we need that. One of our responsibilities as church leadership is trying to help as a church to grow in this area, to help us grow in our identity, help us grow in our authority, help us grow into who God has called us to be. So God says that, and if you read the passage, I'm going to jump a, jump a few slides just for time's sake. But you read the next bit of the passage in Exodus chapter 4, and, and Moses just starts to object. He starts off with, but... But, objected Moses. And then he starts going through all the different reasons where he goes, I am not qualified. I can't do it. It's like, but, however, I am. And then he just kind of fills in all the negativity stuff about him. Moses raised objection after objection. This sense of, we're, we're called to be humble. But we're not called to live in a place of, of fear and knocking ourselves down. Fear just is a, a robber of us stepping into all that God has for us. You know, there's a kind of real kind of, there was the obvious things for Moses, because you're thinking, he's, going, he's calling me to go back to a place where I killed somebody and the Pharaoh wants to kill me. Uh, that's not great. But also, he had his security. He had his community. He'd been accepted. He had his job. He had his constant income. He had his pension. He had everything nicely lined up for him. And God, as like he often does, kind of breaks in and disturbs it all. And like I said before, if you read scriptures, God was, God's always doing that. You know, Abraham, leave your house, your country. Noah, build an ark when nobody's ever built a boat before. James and John, just leave behind the security of your nice family business and come follow me. God's calling us into stuff. What we're afraid of. How do we try to disqualify 
ourselves. In the story in Exodus 4, God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? He says, I've got a staff, and he says, throw it down, and then God just does some amazing miracles. As God's called back some of these memories and things to mind, you have, I feel like God's saying he wants to remind you, and I'm just speaking it out, you have all you need to be able to accomplish what God wants you to do. As we just bring ourselves into alignment with God. The verse that kind of came to my mind, I was just going to tend to this, you know, read my talk before as I have breakfast, and um, was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, it's one of these verses I learned as a child, Philippians 4, 13. It's a great verse. Sometimes we need to go back to some of these verses, don't we? Well, I do. Is that verse true? Do I need to remind myself of it? Do you need to remind yourself of it? Because we disqualify ourselves. So often I'm I'm surrounded by people that disqualify themselves. In my role as a pastor, it's amazing how many people I meet, they just go, I I can't, have a can't do mentality. Like it's all up to us. If God has called you into something, drawn you into something, God is saying, I believe just God wants to say this to you. I'm just speaking a verse over you. You can do all things. Put your name in there if that helps you. You, you, Paul Phillips, can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it. We just need to step out. And so God encounters Moses and turns his, his life around. And just kind of coming into land, um, kind of linked into this, and I feel this is something, this wasn't originally on my notes, but I just added it is, I felt linked into all this, as you look at the life of Moses, one of the things that comes across again and again is that God's in control. And again, I feel maybe that's for uh, one or two in particular, but as soon as I preach to the whole audience and as soon as I just feel like I'm saying something for a few of you, God is in control. Let me just jump something. Come on. In 1997, a team of IBM engineers developed Deep Blue. It was a computer that outmaneuvered Chess Grandmaster Gary Kasparov. <laughs> it could calculate 200 million chess moves per second. I don't know about you. I mean, I sometimes have difficulty making decisions like, you know, should I have decaf tea or, you know, or hot water or something, you know, you know, vanilla or strawberry. Uh, you know, we're ordering pizza. What shall we have? What toppings, you know? Here's a computer that can make like 200 million chess moves per second in its mind. You know, two different, 200 million contingencies. But this is nothing compared to God. He took into consideration every contingency before a nanosecond had ever every ticked off the clock. And the reason I say that is if you look at the life of Moses, and I thought I wanted to particularly, as part of just kind of honing in on some of the things that God has spoken to different ones of you. And as you look at life and situations and you think it hasn't exactly lined up as you hope, that God is saying like Moses that he is still in control. Life is more than a game of chess. But in some ways, you might feel like a pawn, but God is the grandmaster. You might not know your next move, but God does. He can think way over 200 million moves ahead. I know it's slightly off topic, but there's link in, but I want to say that. God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. Should I say that again? I borrowed that. <laughs> God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get where God wants you to go. I.e., God is in control. 
So Moses left the sheep, took on the greatest empire of the time, and led about a million people into the promised land. It all started with a turning aside. So going back to where I started nearly, what does that mean for us? If you're um, going to help, if you've been asked to help with um, communion, if you could just come to the, the front, that'd be helpful. This is where you always pray and hope something moves. <laughs> and there's various ways of responding. We're going to have a time in a bit of kind of worship. We always have time to do ministry. Because we talked about doing things in community, but... Yeah, if somebody just kind of gets it ready and just starts to break it up. And then spread yourself across. How many have we got? Four? So if you have two at the front and two at the back. But I believe communion is an opportunity because when we take communion, we're kind of stepping aside. Because if you come and take communion, the way we do in the churches, in this church is we, we say, if you follow Jesus, and you want to just participate in just remembering what Jesus did on the cross. Obviously, you need to step out and come to the, the people who will be serving you. And I thought it was a great way, symbolically, of what we've been talking about. Stepping aside, because all that I've been talking about is because of communion. Because of Jesus dying on the cross... This communicates all that God is, that he's all-powerful, that he's all-loving. This communicates, it's through this, because of this body broken for us, the blood poured out, that we can live out the calling that God has on our lives. And so as Paul kind of responding to the call, I'm just going to pray, then I'm going to just invite you just to participate in communion. So I'm going to pray. Oh yeah, I just remember mine. Gluten-free. If you need gluten-free, come to the, um, my left. God, I thank you that you are the one. You pursue us, God. You're the one that did the burning bush. You're the one who wanted to draw Moses' attention back to you and to who you are and to what you want him to do. And so, Lord, like I pray, Lord, this morning, and like we prayed upstairs, God, I pray, Lord, for burning bushy experiences. Whatever that means and looks like for us, God, may we just turn aside. And God, as we come to take communion, as we physically move, Lord, to take communion, in our hearts, Lord, we say we turn aside and say, speak to us, meet us, change us. Amen. So come and grab communion, whichever one is um, just closest to you. This is a way of just responding to what God is saying to us.
still very engaged with God. Just, just keep going.